Hi, my name is Steve and welcome to Christianity Out Loud. Uh, thank you for watching, thanks for tuning in. Uh, YouTube, Rumble, Locals, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, for those of you who listened to the very first one last week, a big thank you uh, to that, thank you for that rather as well. Um, and yeah, I'm sure I'll get better at talking to myself looking at camera as well. So bear with me, you know, still learning, still going, still improving, but getting there. Uh, on that note, uh, I do apologize uh, in advance if there's any wind noise coming through my you know, very high budget little Zoom uh, recorder here. Um, the, the wind here is bordering on cyclonic, so if you do hear any gusts or puffs or any sort of uh, noise underneath me talking, that's what it is. I'll do my best to remove it um, in the edit. So we'll see how I go. But uh, if that's <clears throat> pardon me, if that's what you hear, I do I do apologise. Um, well, it was never going to take too long. Uh, to get down to the all of the fun stuff that we can be talking about at the moment. So I'm going to have to examine COVID. Well, you know, an aspect of COVID anyway. Uh, and do before I do dive in, just before anybody gets the wrong idea, yes, COVID is real and vaccines are fantastic. Just get that out of the way. I've have my flu vaccine every year, my children's vaccines are up to date, my tetanus vaccine is up to date, medicine is wonderful, it's great. Just before anybody gets the wrong idea. Uh, I'm in no way anti-vax, no. Uh, I've got two articles that i found this week. I'm going to link to them below uh, so you can have a look at them as well. Uh, the first one's written by Joe Hildebrand. I think that's how you pronounce his surname. And the second one was written by Anna Paddy, who I believe is a journalist working for the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, so before I get into it, uh, subscribe. That would be wonderful. I would greatly appreciate that. Like, share, uh, do all of that. That'd be great. I'd love to see this, love to see this grow. Uh, so firstly, the piece written by Hildebrand. Um, I'm going to be looking off that way as we go to my laptop with notes so I can get quotes um, accurate. Um, so Joe Hildebrand, um, a little bit of research in him. I didn't do a lot. Uh, I, I don't know really where he stands on Christianity, and that's neither here nor there. Um, a well-written article is a well-written article. I think he's Roman Catholic. Um, I think from research he converted as an adult. I get the impression that was a, an intellectual rather than an emotional decision, but again, that's neither here nor there. Um, don't take that as a critique. It certainly is not. Um, you know, his religious beliefs or not um, bear you know, little relevance as to whether he's actually accurate or not in this instance. Uh, so, quoting, just looking this way. Welcome to the two Australias. For the first time in more than a century, the Federation is crumbling. 
we are no longer a single country, but once more a rabble of bitter and bickering states. We are back in the days of fighting over the correct width of railway tracks. This sounds both outrageous and absurd, and it is. The problem is that it is also quite literally the state of the nation right now. We have a situation in which the two geographically largest states, Queensland and Western Australia, are openly rejecting the plan for national unity to which they themselves committed just weeks ago. Half of mainland Australia has effectively declared it no longer wants to be part of a single nation. And now our fundamental, sorry, our foundational and most popular state of New South Wales has declared that it will open up its borders to the rest of the world, while the hermit states declare they will not even open up theirs to the rest of the country. Some pretty big words there. Um, two Australias. The Federation is crumbling, bitter and bickering states. Yeah. Maybe he's not entirely wrong, though. Just maybe. Uh, you know, I'm not as young as I once was, um, but I can't remember a time, as the wind blows, I can't remember a time when we were so divided, um, and not just a national level, but like an intimate, neighbourly, relational level. Um, I guess I was, I was surprised at the reaction to the two premiers of Queensland and Western Australia, so Anastasia Palaszczuk and Mark McGowan um, backing down from the agreement that they signed. Um, that didn't really surprise me, but the reaction to that surprised me. I mean, of course they rejected the agreement. Of course they did. Um, you know, promise-keeping and truth-telling is not synonymous with being a politician. Um, of course they rejected it. And, yeah, they will continue to manipulate information, lie, if you will, uh, to protect themselves and their agendas. That's just what politicians do. I don't know why we expected uh, any less. You know, we've seen Sydney, you know, crumble, and I don't mean that in a hyperbolic sense, but, you know, in a five-kilometre lockdown, if you live in Bondi which is a suburb right on the beach, then the beach is at your doorstep and your disposal. If you live in you know, Parramatta or Bankstown or somewhere like that, which is not coastal and may not be quite as affluent, then the beach is not at your disposal. So, you know, we've got two cities, if you like. Um, you know, the town of Lismore was kicked out of the... Queensland, New South Wales border bubble uh, because of one case, one case, uh, just kicked out, just like that. Um, you know, we've seen it with our hotel quarantine. You know, if you're a, if you're a pleb like me, returning from somewhere, then it's, um, it's hotel at your own expense for two weeks. If you're wealthy enough to afford it, then you can absolutely go and quarantine on a private island somewhere. That's perfectly acceptable. So, you know, and not to get too heavy too early, I, I do wonder if this is what happens when society becomes more secular. 
you know, I can't really speak for the faith of any of our state premiers, really. Um, I don't know their relationship with God. Um, but it doesn't take much observation to assume that they're not Christian, just due to their words and actions. It really doesn't. Uh, or if they do have a Christian faith, they're leaving it at the front door of Parliament House before, um, before they enter and, and start making decisions. Uh, so why is that relevant? Well, if you're a Christian, you believe that you answer to a higher authority. And it's really that simple. Uh, these people, if they're not Christian, then they don't answer to a higher, higher authority other than themselves. They are the highest authority to which they answer. Uh, they've elevated themselves to the position of God, if you will. And continuing that theme, so people who are not true anarchists, which is typically a fairly small uh, proportion of the population, um, they no longer look to God, but they look to government. So not only have you got people in positions of authority that believe they are the highest position of authority, you've got an increasingly secular society that Instead of looking to God as their highest authority, they will look to government and ele elevate those, those people and those positions to God. So see how that works. Uh, in fact, it's normally an interesting reaction from Christians, I find, anyway. Uh, normally when a Labour government gets elected, um, historically Christians have been quite vocal about you know, the government not representing them and we didn't vote for them, they're not our leaders, they're not my premier, not my prime minister, etc. Uh, so the number of you know, Christians that are just bowing to government edicts at the moment I find surprising and, and have done and continue to. Yeah, you know, but I hear you I hear you say, but what about Romans thirteen? Doesn't doesn't Paul in his writing command us to obey all government authority, be subject to government rule? Well, he does, but last week I posed the scenario of Daniel chapter 6. Bow down and pray to me, says the, says the, uh, the, the government, and Daniel says no, doesn't do it. Gets thrown into the lion's den for his trouble. I've got a few more examples as well. And again, I'm just going to look over here so I get them correct. You know, Hebrew midwives uh, disobeyed Pharaoh's command to kill newborn boys in, in Exodus. Uh, Esther broke the law by pleading for the Jews in Esther chapter 4. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, I hope I got that right, disobeyed Nebuchadnezzar, I hope I got that right, by not worshipping his image and were thrown into, into the fire in Daniel chapter 3. And as I said at the start, Daniel didn't bow down and pray to government or pray to the leader. He bowed down and prayed to God. They're Old Testament. <clears throat> so what about New Testament? Well, Peter and John ignored the authorities and continued to preach 
Jesus or preach the gospel message in Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 5, we find the words, we must obey God rather than men. So Paul's instruction to obey government seems to me to refer to civil or good government. There is nothing in Paul's writings that I can find about the government being the provider of everything, of all charity, welfare, education, health. I can't find it. In fact, in Acts, it's the, it's the early church that provided charity and welfare and looked after the sick, not the government. So that's been a fairly drastic transition. Um, but I hear, I hear the voice, as the wind blows strongly again, I hear the voice saying, but we're in a pandemic. Remember what I said at the start, COVID's real, vaccines are great. Think about it for a minute. Every other virus or illness or disease, if you like, yes, it may have a, a number that has been measured from its inception, but it's measured in seasons. Influenza is measured in a season, so an annual period. Um, COVID, the tally just continues. For some reason, it just continues. So there's been no reset of the counter. Okay, so in, from March 2020 to March 2021, that was the season. So from March 2021, you know, we, haven't, we haven't reset the counter back to, to zero. And I wonder why. I'm starting getting a bit cynical. So let's look at some statistics that I found. And again, I've got them over here, it's just so I get them right. At the time of my research, which will have changed a little bit at the time of recording, but at the time of research, Queensland, 2,014 cases and seven deaths, which works out as, as works out percentage-wise, I didn't phrase that very well, works out to a percentage of 0.35%. In New South Wales, 42,152 cases, 266 deaths. That's a percentage of 0.63. Now, I'll say it again, COVID is real. No denying anything. But what should our reaction as Christians be? And that's why I started this channel really was to look at things how do I think we as Bible believing God fearing Christians should react you may not know this you might you may not um, there's a charity called Samaritan's Purse they're a Christian charity they opened an Ebola treatment center in Commander I believe you pronounce that if I've got that wrong I apologize but that's in the Democratic Republic of Congo and that was to treat patients uh, with Ebola. So this Christian charity, these Christians willingly travelled, right, to a foreign country to treat patients with a disease with a current fatality percentage of 67%. 
67%. So since July the 2nd, there's been 2,300 cases resulting in 1,586 deaths of Ebola in the Congo where Christians have willingly travelled to help these people. So both the Queensland and New South Wales governments have locked everybody down for fatality rates of less than 1%, significantly less than 1%. So let's, let's have some nuance in this discussion. Let's have some perspective. Yet from a public policy perspective, this pandemic should be done. Think about it. There's a vaccine available for all adults who want it. Uh, and I believe it's just been made safe or said it's been made safe as of today, which is September the 21st for children aged 5 to 11. So that is every Australian over the age of five has access to a vaccine. So that's it. So people are going to get some degree of immunity one of two ways. One, they go get the vaccine and develop antibodies that way. Two, they contract COVID and develop natural antibodies that way. So if you're, if you're vaccinated, then the book should be shut, full stop, on your way. It shouldn't matter what anybody else does. You're, you're vaccinated. And that's really what it's about. Yeah, I do find it interesting, though, these you know, Facebook frames. You know, fully vaccinated, you're welcome. You know, the public nature of these proclamations... I am reminded of the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, when you tithe, do so in do so in secret, because then you then you'll get your reward. Um, if you pray, go into your room, close your door, get down on your knees and pray, because that's when your your heavenly Father will hear you. You do so from the from the corner at the top of your lungs, and that is your reward. And I'm paraphrasing that. I realise, but that is the gist. You can go and read that in the Sermon on the Mount, Gospel of Matthew. Any medical procedure you get should be between you and your doctor. It's your choice. Should churches be in the business of turning people away, though? That's the bigger question. And should Christians be wholly supportive of forced government segregation? Bigger question. So back to the article. One particularly notorious account which purports to be close to the Andrews government even made this extraordinary claim on Twitter. The underpinning theme in Victoria is non-compliance. People working against us by not following the rules or promoting non-compliance. I call these people traitors and have absolutely no regrets. 
This is the sort of line Joe Stalin himself might have sketched on the back of a beer coaster. Another commentator called the same people sickening wretches. Traitors? Sickening wretches? That's pretty strong language. Back to the article. Once more, these hardline fanatics are creating two Australias, the pure and the impure, the clean and the unclean. It is verging on the language of genocide. Remember, these are not my words. I'm just quoting an article. Back to the article. Once more, the extremism and violence of the language is both shameful and chilling. And these are supposed to be the touchy-feely tolerant ones. See, this is where I have a bigger problem. Yeah, an abortion bill was passed in Queensland in recent years. And we've just passed, at the time I wrote this or did the research, the euthanasia bill was sitting before the parliament, and I believe that has now passed. And in both cases, really the ultimate argument argument is has been my body my choice and i'm not going to delve into the nuances of that argument and whether it's valid or not but these same people are now fighting for a mandatory vaccine now to my reckoning you can't have it both ways you can't hold both of those opinions at the same time. You've got to pick one. You are either pro-choice, and that is pro-choice for everything, or you're not. In fact, yeah, the left side of politics and society and culture seems seems to only want to fight for two choices. One, abortion. Two, euthanasia. They're the only two choices. And that brings me to the second article, which is written in the Sydney Morning Herald. And I quite enjoyed the title of this. We can't afford to turn customers away. The Sydney businesses planning to serve the un- jabbed. And a quote from this article. A Facebook site called Fair Business is promoting businesses and services that say they are not discriminating or refusing entry based on vaccination status. Yeah, I wonder when was the last time businesses were told to segregate customers and not admit people based on something. So it's not enough for government to mandate medical treatment for, quote, freedoms to be given back, end quote. But we're now at the stage where government pressures on businesses yeah, and now going to well, businesses are now going to face fines for serving people who have not been vaccinated. 
So the question is, what should we as Christians do? What should our response be? You know, I think of the people who, who Jesus hung around with. You know, the poor, the destitute, you know, the, uh, the sinful, uh, the sick, the adulterers, the thieves, the uncultured, the antisocial, if you like. Well, there's, there's our answer. You know, he defied government rules at times by preaching and ministering. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? No. Not according to Scripture. Not according to the, the Scripture he taught from. But he did it. If the government turns around and says, all right, churches, your congregation must show proof of vaccination in order to enter, what should we do? Yes, the Bible was written well before vaccines. But if it's relevant for us today, then we need to have a reasonable interpretation of Scripture in light of current events. In Galatians 3, 28, you may know it, but I'll read it for you anyway. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Jesus. You know, if the Bible is relevant today, then the word all must have a degree of relevance because it is a non-exclusive term. So I'll leave you with this thought. You are all, including the unvaccinated, one in Christ. You know, we are called to love our neighbour regardless. If we as Christians are seeking anything else, then we're not focused on what's truly important and foundational to our faith. And any church that defies any government-mandated rule or law, well, the precedence has been set. Daniel, Esther, Paul, John, Peter. That's the precedence it has been set for us. So, until next week, thanks for tuning in. God bless.